Praise the Lord, everybody, on today. Minister Anthony Bonner here, Truth Turnup Ministries, coming to you live on the podcast, wanting to share a word to encourage you on today as you continue to journey in this thing called life, praying that your eyes have been opened and that your spirit has been quickened for the impartation, the divine impartation of the Holy Spirit that God has ordained through Jesus Christ to bless people to not only live a life but to be overcomers and more than conquerors in life. Those that are in Christ Jesus were not put here to be equal. We were put here to take over because this is our Father's planet. Hallelujah. Though it is out of order, we are supernaturally structured to put it back in order in the manner in which He desires. The planet will never be perfect. It will never be peaceful. It will never be completely prosperous for all until the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But though that be the truth, there is a higher truth. That in the midst of confusion, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of downturn, in the midst of calamities, I can still have peace. I can still have victory. And I should have peace. And I should have victory. No man is my God. No obstacle is my God. No attack is stronger than my God, and I must be established and rooted in these things unless I let the devil deceive me and I settle for less than what my heavenly Father has ordained for me to be my portion. We want to look at Luke chapter 15 today, and we know this is the chapter of the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, they call him in the Bible. And we're not going to look at the whole parable, but basically the son wanted to his portion of goods that fell unto him. The father, without question, gave the son his goods. And after several days of getting his stuff together, the son went away into a far country. Hallelujah. A country that was far away from his father. And he went out into that far country, and the Bible says he wasted his substance. Substance may not necessarily be something physical, even though it can be when a man blows his money or pawns his jewelry or sells his car or does something else. That's his physical substance. But when you waste your spiritual substance, you're wasting the very essence of who you are. You're wasting the very pathway to certain victory in any any and every situation. For too long, we've equated this simply with being in a church or connected to a denomination or having a pastor or a casual reading of the Bible. Not a full surrender, not a full submission, not a full immersion in the word of the Bible so that John 1 and 1 can be true with us as it was with Jesus and the word was made flesh. The word must be made flesh, meaning it must be operable in my life. It must become a practical resource, my go-to that I turn to when things are turned against me. You understand? So he went in, he wasted his substance. He wasted his anointing. Huh? He wasted it. And then a mighty famine came into the land and he began to be in want. How many of us are in want right now? You may be in financial want. You may be in relational want. You may be in health want. You may be in spiritual want. There are all kinds of wants throughout the land. And all those wants are facilitated simply because I'm separated from the love of God. I am not in Christ Jesus. I am out of the place of power, the position of victory. I'm separated and I remain separated due to my own ignorance, due to my own pride, Due to my own unwillingness to tear down the throne of the God that I have placed in my life and allow Jesus Christ to reign where it is he has 
uh, uh, paid the price to reign through his sacrifice. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, 23 and 24, it says, you are bought with a price. Ye are not your own. Be not ye the servants of men, but let every man abide therein wherein he is called with God. If you have said the prayer of faith, if you have immersed yourself in scriptures through Bible study and through men who are more mature than you, because unfortunately many of us in the day in the land think we don't need someone to teach us, and that is foolishness. If you get a job at Popeye's Chicken, they got to teach you how to drop the chicken in the hot grease without burning yourself and setting the restaurant on fire. If you get a job at Quick, they got to teach you how to stock the shelves, how to put ice in the ice machine. There's nothing in the land that you can do that you're not going to have a teacher. But the devil is so cunning, he's tricked the majority of the people to believe that they don't need to be led into the narrow way, that they can find it on their own. When 40 hours a week are spent on, is spent on them trying to make money in their bank accounts to put bread on their table, to take care of their children and every other fleshly need, that they give God the scraps that fall from the table, not understanding that you shall reap as you have sold. That where your heart is, therefore will your treasure be. In this parable, jumping down to what I really wanted to get into is about verse 22. The son has come to himself. He's come back home. He's back in the presence of his father. But the father said to his servants, hallelujah, but the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. But the father said, you see, when we consider who God is, what he's done, why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, what him being sent means for us individually, collectively as a body of believers and for the world in whole, the unsaved as well as the saved, because his coming has a consequence and will cause a reaction for those in him as well as outside of him. Those that are for him as well as against him. It's just the way it is. That's just how powerful his coming was and his being made manifest. His coming allowed me, like the prodigal son and you, son or daughter, to return back to our father. To return back to the place of positioning. The place of promotion. The place of transformation. The place of peace. And when I return back to this place, just like the prodigal son, I will hear my father say, bring forth the best robe. See, God doesn't do second best. Hallelujah. God has no plan B. Everything of God is the best. Why? Because God created all things for himself. Hallelujah. All things that were created were created for his pleasure. Things that were and things that are, the Bible says in Revelation 4 and 11. All things. God created everything. That's why everything you see is excellent. God created man to walk upright, the Bible says, but man has sought out many inventions, meaning God created man to be more special than he knows, more excellent than he knows. But because men have surrendered to the other systems of men, the other thoughts of men, the other ideologies of men, the other examples of men, they've neglected their God. They've forgotten the way. They've turned aside and all have leaned toward their own understanding and gone their own way. But God, in his excellence, continues to knock at the door of a sinful mankind. He continues to send messengers. He continues to flash messages in our lives. He continues to send 
to send signs and symbols to get our attention. And it says, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. He didn't even have to put it on. All he had to do was go back home. Hallelujah. Go back home, man or woman of God. Go all the way back home. Don't go partially back home. You see, because you can get some good things in the world, but you can only get the best things from God. And I know that to be true because in the book of James, it says that every good and every perfect Every good and every perfect gift cometh from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I believe that's James 1 and 7 again. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. So if you got something in your life that's causing you hell or causing you confusion and upside down, it's not from God. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 22 that the blessings of the Lord make it rich and add no sorrow. God's not going to give you anything or put you any place that's causing you sorrow. That don't mean sorrow won't come your way. But if it does, if you're really in him and you really love him and you're supernaturally structured by him, it will be nothing more than an ant on an elephant. Hallelujah. Turn your trunk around and blow it off. And he put the robe on him and it says, and he put a ring on his hand. Man, ain't nothing like a ring on your hand. That's a sign of authority. In sports, when athletes who've won a championship come in and they have those big rings on with all the diamonds of the various stones, just because of their the massness of the ring and the and the bulkiness of the ring and the bling bling of the ring, people know they've won something. Hallelujah. Yeah, you can be short and weigh 275 pounds and have that ring on and never play sports. But your son could have played and gave it to you or you could have been the team manager and people assume that you're a champion. Why? Because you have that ring on. You see, now imagine if you can have that kind of authority, that kind of uh, bling bling, that kind of uh, connection with people in the world because of a natural ring. How much more uh, authority, how much more clout, how much more influence will you have over them when you go back to your father and you allow him to put the spiritual ring on your hand? Huh? Because the spiritual ring comes with wisdom. The spiritual ring comes with power. The spiritual ring comes with authority. It comes with territory to rule and reign in. How can I ever want to just be equal and sell out what all the blood of Jesus has given me? I will never be equal with you. Ever. That is me descending into lesser levels of greatness. I've been born to reign, to rule, to reside on the earth, to occupy until my Lord and Savior comes again. Not to be stuck in a religion or in a tradition or in a church building or in the small ideologies of men who studied at uh, seminary schools or sat under other pastors who have small expectations. It does not work that way. It is a trap of the enemy. Inside of each and every man that has ever been created, there is a place where there are no limits, no limits, no bounds, no boundaries. But it can only be explored, it can only be tapped into, it can only be released through total submission to your father by going back home. Go back home, because your father said, when you come back home, he's going to bring forth the best robe. Put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, hallelujah. The shoes of the gospel of peace are the shoes we're talking about, which are spoken of in Ephesians chapter 6. Hallelujah. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Peace is living a life that's free from disturbance. Though there will be much disturbance in the land, it shall not be your portion because your father gives you the peace that surpasses all understanding. You can rest in the Lord and the power of his might. 
What a wonderful promise. What an awesome God. Can we bow ourselves down before him after listening to this and repent and apologize for any way in which we've offended him or may have missed the good things he's planned for me, desires to do for me, but I keep stopping him. And because I'm not in my renewed mind, I'm still in my natural mind, I can't see that that which is coming against me really is powerless, but I'm also powerless to stop it. But if I can just go back home, surrender myself, get back into his presence, he will come and rest upon me. He will come and abide within me. He will begin to order my steps, direct my path, and take me places that only he can, and show me things that only he can. My brothers and my sisters, I pray that this word will shake something within you and allow you to rise to a level in which you know not exist. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.